We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. John Van Brassen drops back, throws the marching pass upfield. Reggie Townfields gathers it in on the dead run and races all the way to score for Los Angeles. A 72-yard touchdown play. First down inside his own five from his own end zone. Sacked in a safety on Rudolph. Aaron Donald and Clay Matthews got to him. Inspired by the presence of Captain Jack Youngblood, playing in pain with his broken leg. A savage ram defense. They hand it to Steven. Great jump cut. 45 seconds. a whole burst to it. 20. Five steps to tackle. Runs left. 25 still to the feet. 46 yard goal by number 39. Running back. 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker, a high school quarterback, is going to throw. The fake is on it. He's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones made the tackle, and the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo, all by my lonesome on a Wednesday night. So we're a little bit late getting some podcasts out. It's not on purpose. It's more a case of uh, recording times getting kind of botched up for the tour in the league. Uh, Mike's getting winding down the school year. It's just an awkward time of the year for us. And trust me, as we get into the summer, things are actually going to pick up as we... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You go from team to team and see where the NFL is sitting right now. Today on the show, Javier Vega from the 4th and Gold podcast comes over to talk to us about the rival 49ers. Give us his thoughts on what's going on with the team, how the Forest break down, and then later on, Bo Brack from the Locked On Cards podcast, Locked On NFL podcast, joins us to talk to us about the Arizona Cardinals, and basically, it's an NFC West showdown for us today, getting into the tournament league in style, starting with our own division, NFC West. All right. Before we get over there, though, we want to talk about our sponsors. Check them out. Here you go. All right. Hey, just want to ask you all to head over to Apple Music. We could really appreciate some subscriptions. Got to go over the app, subscribe, so on and so forth. We really appreciate that review. Fuss review really helps us out, gets us moving the charts. Don't forget, we have the, we have the site, ramstalk.net. We also, of course, have social media talk rams for the Rams Talk uh, Twitter. We also have the Rams Talk Room Facebook group, the Rams Talk page on Facebook, and we're on Instagram as well. So check it out. You can follow me on Twitter at DC Apollo. Okay, so. First things first, want to get with Javier Vega for the fourth goal podcast. Let's talk to 49ers. Let's see where they're at. All right, folks, we're here with Javier Vega from the fourth and gold podcast. Also is the co-founder for 49ers Goldmine. Javier, welcome to the show and welcome for the first time joining our tour around the league. Represent the 49ers. What's up? What's going on, buddy? It's a uh, rivalry's back. I mean, I mean, it's, it's. I guess it's not back, but it's like it seems this this offseason makes me more excited about the season. You know, you guys got Stafford. Niners end up getting their quarterback in the future. Uh, it's going to be a fun season. This draft uh, was a big, big deal for the 49ers and and the Rams. So uh, it's been a really good offseason for both teams. So I'm pretty excited. Um, I'm excited about the NFC West as a whole. I like. I like the storylines heading in 2021. It's not going to be a, a smooth ride. Like each team has some issues, some question marks. Each team has some things to prove. And inevitably, when you have a four team division, some at least some of those teams aren't going to prove what, what they want to prove. Yeah. So I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to seeing how the Rams respond to the Niners now. It's been a lot, four straight losses in a row. And I, I've been arguing this now for a couple of years. The 49ers basically built themselves to beat the Rams. They knew exactly. They knew exactly where the Rams were weak, and they yeah. built that front seven to beat them. And I, I, I called it actually a year prior. And I mean, now they have the Rams number, and it's that front seven. So let me ask you a couple questions though about where this team's been going this offseason. They've made a few changes. What were the biggest moves, like in the free agent market, and so on and so forth, that really caught your eye? 
Um, well, the biggest thing is they got a whole bunch of guys back on one-year deals, you know. Um, Jeff Wilson, Kwaski Tart, Jason Verrett, those guys. And the biggest one, the one that mattered the most, was getting Trent Williams back signed. So that was a big deal. Um, my One of my favorite signings is actually a former Ram. Anthony Bookum is uh, now a Niner. And we were missing the extra speed rusher with D4 being out in 20, 2020. Um, so he adds that element to the 49ers and it gives them a little bit more versatility um, in some of their nickel options and their pass, you know, their pass rush sets where they can maybe drop him into coverage. You know, you send four or five, but you have him drop into coverage, um, you know, on the running backs in the flat or just the tight ends. Um, so he does fairly well there. So I think really them getting those guys back on a lot of one year deals because of COVID, obviously. Trent Williams be the biggest one. And then. Uh, the Samson Ebukum signing I thought was really, really smart. Um, Alex Mack's a big deal, especially with the rookie quarterback coming in. Um, see how, how he may help develop, you know, help, help with the quarterback, you know, whether that be Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance. Um, so they, they made some smart, frugal uh, signings. And they were just, they were prudent, but aggressively prudent, like John Lynch likes to say. They, made, they, got, they got better. You know, a lot of times when you come out of free agency, you kind of think, did they get better? Did they get worse? They say the same. Initially, I thought they got Initially, I thought they were the same. I guess, you know, a couple of days after the draft, I feel they got better uh, with some of their selections. And, of course, the, the entire, you know, the overall comprehensive look of the offseason. Um, I think they got better. I think I think the NFC West is going to be <laughs> a dogfight all the way through, as it always is. But um, it's it's uh, I wasn't ex- I was not excited uh, about the offseason until the trade happened to get to three. But. Now I'm back. My excitement is back. So you talk about the trade here in a minute, but I mean, you mentioned the team getting better. You mentioned a couple of things about the, the division, and you know, I mean, and I'm going to say this with a team that has a lot of question marks. To you know, the Rams have a ton of question marks, and mm-hmm. you know, we lost a huge chunk of our, our front office. We lost a huge chunk of our coaching staff again, by the way, again, and then <laughs> you know. COVID hit this team hard in terms of the cap. Yeah. You know, the, the Rams were not built to have the cap go down. They were every, Everybody across the league was expecting the cap to go up, and including yeah. the Rams. So the Rams had built around that, and all of a sudden the cap goes down by, what, 15 mil or something like that? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the teams that, that didn't see that coming, well, who would have, got screwed. Rams were one of them. So they have a ton of questions. And I look at the 49ers, and my, my questions are different because, in, in my view, the 49ers are already loaded. That this, this, yeah. is a, this is a loaded roster that, with injuries, it's hurt them a lot in the last couple of years. The, the one year they were healthy, they, they, they were mm-hmm. fantastic. But I also have curiosities now about quarterback. They went and got Garoppolo for Kyle Shanahan. Mm-hmm. He hasn't worked out the way, at least we, the way we... We all thought he would or hoped he would, if you're yeah. a football fan. And, you know, at least from the outside looking in, starting to have questions about the management of a guy like Kyle Shanahan in terms of how they've, A, you know, coached him up, B, put the right players around him and make him better. I'm talking about around Garoppolo. Are there, do you share those same question marks about where the 49ers front office and coaching staff has been with all this? No, not so much with the coaching staff or the front office. Um, 
I think they've they've insulated Jimmy quite a bit. You know, in 2019 they had you know a top five defensive roster. Um, you had George Kittle, you have Debo Samuel. You make a trade for Emmanuel Sanders. You 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 add weapons around Jimmy Garoppolo. The problem with Jimmy Garoppolo is really just the the health issue, right? You know, he comes in, wins five games at the end of the 2017 season. Um, 2018 he wins one game, loses two, the Chiefs and the Vikings game, and then he gets hurt. Then 2019 he starts off slow. Um, they still eight and zero, you know, um, and they make the trade. They made they were seven and zero. Then they made the trade for Emmanuel Sanders, and somewhat, you know, the passing game kind of improved from then on. Um, and the, you know, the, the Niners had to kind of ask him to do a little bit more towards the back in the season. If we all go back to the even the Falcons game, the Rams game, the Saints game, those games there, you know, they asked a little bit more of him to do that. Um, my 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 biggest issue with Jimmy Garoppolo is just we we never really saw. The guy developed, you know, 2020 came around. He had a really bad first game. And that's kind of where I thought, wait a second, we might have a quarterback problem. And I, I you know, initially it was been, it's, it was in my head uh, going back to the 2019 season. Just if anyone goes back to that Monday night football game against Seattle, he had a lot of hard. He had a hard time throwing the ball down the field uh-huh. and throwing it with accuracy. And, you know, had he hit Debo Samuel um, late in that overtime game, the Niners probably win that game, you know, with a walk off touchdown. because. You know, he had an issue with underthrowing the deep ball, and that was something that came to my head. And, and as I'm watching the game tape, watching the game live, you're like, "Oh wow, we might have a problem here." Um, and what you really, you know, when you start to see, think about it, you know, it's kind of similar to what the Rams went through. <laughs> your your head coach gets fed up with his quarterback, and he has to make a decision. Um, and you kind of saw that in 2020. You know, you got guys running wide open for Jimmy Garoppolo to hit them. He doesn't take the shot downfield. Either he's afraid to do so because he can't, or he doesn't want to force something into a tight window because he doesn't have the arm strength to get it there. And then when you look at what defenses were doing to Jimmy in 2020 when he was playing, you know they would play a lot of single high coverage and just dare him to throw the ball. Cover one, you have a spot drop safety in the middle of the field, and you just you're taking away his first and second reads, and you're now you're making Jimmy Garoppolo think. Anyone turns on the film with Jimmy Garoppolo, you you know, I've I always listened to Steve Young. Steve Young is someone I listen to a lot about quarterbacks, as I think anyone should. You know, he talks about what him and Mike Shanahan would talk about when during during their days. You know, if my feet are moving too much, it means I'm I'm thinking too much. And Jimmy Garoppolo just has really bad feet. You know, he'd have that pitter patter, pitter patter movement with his feet after he can't get through his reads, and you'd seen a lot of mistakes. So then you know the Niners are running this uh you know gimmicky offense with a whole bunch of jet sweeps you know you're running these reverses and just kind of getting just trying to create something out of nothing because every defense is just sitting everything on everything underneath six yards or seven yards um and that's that's more so about the player and i don't think it's about the coaching staff it's more about the player and him not being able to you know trust his arm or trust his abilities or whatever whatever the case may be um and sometimes you know i just think i think a lot of times Guys just get maxed out. You know, maybe 2019 was the peak of Jimmy Garoppolo. And, you know, it had to be schemed wide open for him to make those deep shots, to take those shots. Um, you know, when you have, when you stay relatively healthy at your running back position, uh, the way they did in 2019, that helps them significantly, you know, with getting the offense to stretch. Defenses have to commit to that outside zone. And now you have the bootleg off it. And, oh, wow, look, there's George Kittle running down the field wide open. You know, those, you know, you're a Rams fan and everyone, most folks listening now are a Rams fan. They, they're similar to that. We know when Gurley was, Gurley was humming, that stretch zone, mm-hmm. 
it you know you fake off of that and there goes Robert Woods down the field streaking down the field wide open for a big touchdown and those are those are things that are wide open for golf and and Jimmy and after a while when you when one the Niners started getting their running backs banged up in 2020 and two teams were just daring Jimmy Garoppolo to throw the ball you know they knew where he was going with it it was going to be either a six yard slant some type of screen and no one was biting on the play action because the run game wasn't working so now you have to use all these gimmick jet sweeps and really weird option passes and, you know, choice routes all over the place, you know, and it, and it just turns into this gimmick and it didn't work. Um, and that applies to Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard. And, you know, those guys, one being an undrafted free agent and one being a third round pick, third round pick being he's overdrafted at that point and an undrafted free agent, you know, what are you, your expectations should be low anyway. So I think with Kyle, Kyle just maximizes his quarterbacks. And I think just like McVay, you know, making the making the big splash to get Stafford. He need, he needed more. He needed a guy who's going to elevate his X's and O's, not just to follow them. So Stafford, and now the Niners, you know, acquiring Trey Lance in the draft. That's kind of where they're headed. Um, so with Jimmy, I think he's a capable quarterback. I think he can win you a ton of games because he's proven that. We've seen him do it. But at the same time, Kyle Shanahan has to basically be nearly flawless with his play calling, similar to the way Sean McVay was um, for you know for the team to win games or to be competitive. Uh, in those games, so it, it's, a, it's it might be a little bit of both, but I, I kind of lean more on the player. You know, just when you really dig into the film and you start really looking at the analytics and you start seeing what they're doing, Jimmy Garoppolo had an issue with five to seven step drops. He had an issue with things, you know, over fifteen yards down the field. So those things, you know, point right to the player, in my opinion. Sorry for the long answer, but that's just that's just <laughs> what I've been discussing, you know, for the last year and a half. Is like, sure, what's our problem with our quarterback? You know what I mean? Sure, and and that takes me to the rumors about Aaron Rodgers. One, were they true, if you know? And B, were, do you think the Farns were really willing to make that deal? Um, it, well, John Lynch had made it to calling, and to calling Green Bay, but uh, from, what, from how Kyle Shanahan explained it, explained it, it was um, LaFleur was just like, you're wasting your time. So, yeah, I mean, the Niners explore everybody. They call on everybody, and they kind of see what's going on. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that they made a phone call. Who wouldn't? You know, if you have this window to win a title, why not get one of the best players in football when you're versus taking a chance on a rookie? You know what I mean? So, yeah, uh, you know, if and if that was the case, and they were took, if they would have taken them, that would have been a really expensive trade because you, <laughs> you move from 12 to 3 uh, to acquire – uh, you're, you know, the third round, third overall pick, and then you send it over to Green Bay, and then you let Green Bay take a Trey Lance or a Justin Fields or whoever Green Bay may have taken at that spot. So, um, yeah, I think it was true, and I, I think, I think the Niners would have done it <laughs> had it been something available to them. Yeah. So, looking at, at that draft, were you happy with the draft overall? What were your highs and lows of it? Um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't. Not, not, okay, so the draft, none of the draft picks like were like wowed me. You know, the Trey Lance pick, I kind of expected the Niners to go with Lance or Fields. You know, you guys can check my Twitter account. Mm-hmm. It was literally Fields, 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 Fields the whole way through. I wasn't buying into mainstream media hype on Mac Jones, and I got to see Mac Jones in person. You know, I got my first ever NFL credential for the Senior Bowl, and I'm no quarterback expert, but I know what it looks like, and he did not look like it. Um, and you know, I didn't buy into the hype and I'm thinking to myself, who would Sean McVay take in this spot? McVay's taken Fields or Lance here. So why wouldn't Kyle Shanahan? Um, so the, with the first pick, you know, the third overall pick Lance, 
very excited about that. The, the future looks really bright, and I think the NFC West is probably uh, a little scared of what Kyle can probably cut, drum up, you know, with a guy who's mobile like that with a strong arm. He's very intelligent by all accounts. Uh, the second pick, the you know, offensive guard, you know, we know both the Rams and Niners love to run that inside zone trap game too. So very physical Aaron Banks. I like that pick. Was a little surprised that he was there at 48. I thought he'd, you know, I thought he'd be somebody you'd get in the mid-50s. So mm-hmm. for the value, I guess it's right. Uh, Trey Sermon, that was a surprise. I did not expect the 49ers to draft a running back that early. I thought they would do it in the later rounds, and they did. Um, but Sermon was also a really nice player. Um, I think we've all watched him play at Ohio State. Very physical. Played at OU as well. Physical runner. Can do both inside zone and outside zone. You run the power game. I think the Niners are trying to get really, really physical um, this year. Um, Ambry Thomas out of Michigan. Loved his game tape in 2019. You kind of saw the Michigan Wolverine defense take a crap in 2020 without him in their secondary. So I, I think he's a guy who plays a lot like Jason Verrett. You know, coming out of college, I don't think he's Jason Verrett, but I'm just looking at the comp from college. There was a lot of really good tape on him, really good speed, good hands, very physical at the line of scrimmage. Um, can be someone that probably steps in and gets a lot of snaps this year, depending on how the health plays out for Verrett and Emmanuel Mosley. Uh, Jalen Moore, the guard tackle out of, um, I want to say it's Western Michigan, got to meet him at the Senior Bowl. Very nice guy. Very intelligent, very physical as well. Plays both guard and tackle. The, you know, the Niners are trying to create this new identity, I think. You know what I mean? And then uh, Lenore from Oregon, the uh, corner, also a guy who plays slot and outside. They're, 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 try- they're preparing for the future. They, they plan for a mass exodus after the 2021 season with a lot of these one-year contracts. And then, obviously, um, Elijah Mitchell, 4-3-2 guy. You know, 49ers love their speed, so that's kind of... You know, they're looking to replace Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, probably in 2021, and maybe Lakin Tomlinson as well as our, as well in 2020, uh, 2022. So I think they're, they're planning for the future. They're looking at this as a, you know, maybe a lot of redshirt type of years for some of these guys. And then next year they come in and, and play a really big role. But I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with it. You know, they have a lot of free agents next year. And this is kind of a way to make sure you're building for the future while also getting some depth for this year. I thought they, you know, if I had to give it a grade, Probably a B, B minus. You know, for me, I wanted an edge rusher. Um, I was hoping for Joe Tryon. He ended up going to Tampa, but for the most part, they added depth to a really good roster and um, looking to plan for the future. So I, I can't be mad at that at all. So where are the Four Niners in this division right now? Where are they in your as far as team? roster construction? I mean, in terms, of, you know, where do they? Where do you rank them in terms of? Your expectations, how good they're going to be for twenty twenty one. I go honestly. I think I think the Rams will be one. Um, the Niners will be two. Seahawks will be three because as long as Russell Wilson's alive and breathing, you have to worry about him. And four is Arizona. I'm not a fan of Cliff Kingsbury. I just think I think the best roster is in San Francisco. I think the the team that is you know has a good enough defense, good enough offense, and is probably you know, more complete, like, coaching staff and package would be the Rams at one. And then with Seattle, it's like, yeah, you have Russell P. Who knows what their dynamic is now anymore. The defense is terrible. You overpaid for Jamal Adams to give you zero interceptions every year. Um, and then Cliff Kingsbury, I mean, how many more times you can have DeAndre Hopkins line up on the left and throw, you know, an out route? You know what I mean? How creative are you if you're only doing that with your best, one of the best receivers in the game? Um, 
so you know overall if i had to rank them one through four would be the rams the niners seattle and arizona however they finish is going to probably depend on health and then of course the schedule comes out in a couple days we'll see how that lines up you know body clocks and primetime games and all that other stuff play a role into how the schedule or how your win loss record plays out and of course 17 games now so but i would go um like I said, Rams, Niners, Seahawks, Cardinals would be my ranking right now. Are the four Niners a Super Bowl contender for you? I want to say yes, but part of me is more like just get to the playoffs. You know what I mean? Get in the dance and see what happens. Um, I don't want to put that on them yet because I, I didn't see what it looks like. Right now, we don't know what it looks like. You know, Is Bosa completely healthy? What about Debo Samuel? How does he come in looking from, you know, he missed a lot of time last year with a hamstring and a broken foot. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, year two, maybe has some struggles. We all know who George Kittle is, so that's not a big deal. I mean, it is a big deal, but we all know he's going to be a guy who's going to get you 1,000 yards regardless. Uh, the running game, it's in- it's interesting. I want to see how that dynamic plays out with Marie Mostert, Trey Sermon, Elijah Mitchell. Um, and then the continuity with the offensive line. The you know Maybe Alex Mack is that difference, you know what I mean, at center. Maybe he does help you know, a guy like McGlinchey at right tackle with the checks and the protections and making sure things are aligned the correct way. Um, and then it really just all comes down to the quarterback. You know, the Niners were six and ten last year, and they were in pretty much every game. Nick Mullins literally threw them out of three games. You know, with interceptions, the Eagles game, the Washington game, and the Philadelphia. And I'm sorry, the Dallas game. You know that this team could have been nine and seven, and maybe Jimmy plays a little bit better versus the Seattle Seahawks, or maybe he just doesn't play terrible against Miami. And you, you know, you're looking at a ten to six win team. So you know, I, I would think. I think they're a playoff team with competent quarterback play and a healthy roster or a relatively healthy roster. So at this point, I'm looking, my expectation right now would probably be just a wild card berth, to be honest with you. All right. Well, you know, one, I hope we could reconnect again for our divisional preview podcast. And, of course. Um, I mean, we'd love to do that. And when, when everything's settled down in camp, we see where these, where these guys really are. And that's, I think that'd be great to have on. In the meantime, can you let, our listeners know where they can find your work, you know, because we do scout the enemy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I do the same thing. I I, uh, I check out everybody's other podcasts. Who is who's who? Who's who? They're talking about. Um, just so the Rams fans don't hate me. I absolutely love Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. By the way, just get that out there. I love those two guys. Um, but yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Vague underscore. Um, we have the website fourniersgoldmine dot com. Check it out. We have a lot of really good pieces coming up about the draft. And the recap, we'll do some stuff during the season. Um, and then, of course, the podcast on Twitter, at 4th and Gold Podcast. Um, shout out to all the guys who help us out at the Goldmine website. Um, but, yeah, that's everything. You guys can follow me there and check everything out. Don't leave any nasty comments, please. <laughs> I mean, it's 400 and Rams. It's almost a given. I know. It's I know, almost a given. I know. You know it's but a fun I, rivalry, though. It, well, it's fun when they're both competitive and, and they both – I mean, I, I mean, this is going to sound weird. It's, it's fun when they both win for a while, win once in a while. Mm-hmm. Like, during that streak where the four hours won 17 in a row, I mean, it was kind of pointless to watch, you know. <laughs> it was yeah. like 44 to 10. Embarrassing. I, the best rivalries are the ones that are competitive. You know, I'm, I'm an Ohio State guy, and I love Ohio State. I, I eat, drink, sleep Ohio State. You know, and we eat, drink, sleep Ohio State, Michigan. Yeah. But it hasn't been a rivalry for almost 20 years now. Yeah, it's been bad. I'm a Penn State guy, so at least we have that. Me and you would have that because Penn State's won a couple in the last five years. So, I mean, it's we get, good. Then that means you're a Big Ten guy, and I'm all good with that. I mean, Absolutely. I still go Big yeah. Ten. You know, 
The only time I ever cheer for Michigan is when they're when they're playing a bowl game because we're representing our conference. Yeah, same way. Yeah, I'm the same way. But I absolutely love Ohio State. But until they're playing Penn State, that's the only time I don't like them. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm serious. When when it, our guys are are if if Penn State's playing the national title game, I cheer for Penn State. If <laughs> I, I'm not sure if I can get myself to cheer for Michigan in a national title game, yeah, I'm not sure I can rough. do that. You know, well, I mean, it's 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 kind of a class war, dude. If we're honest, like the Ohio, the Ohio State area, we're, we're kind of we're kind of a blue collar area, you know. Yeah, and we I grew in the, Pennsylvania. Yeah, we, I know. We see we see Ann Arbor as those like little snobs, <laughs> those elitist snobs. You know? How <laughs> would you have felt if uh, Fields would have been a Niner? Then you would have switched your allegiance, or what? If Fields would have been a Niner, I would have dreaded it. I, I thought, in my view, he was a much better. He's a, he's a much more season quarterback in terms of yep. level of competition, I felt like, I mean, if I'm not going to say that, the foreigners made a mistake. The made a they should have taken fields. I'm dead serious. I don't, Lance, I'm sure you can develop into a fine quarterback, uh, but the body of work, the, I mean, how is Trey Lance any better than, than Justin Fields? Justin Fields has the resume. He's played. He he's he he can do anything you ask him to do. I'm very high. I on agree. Justin Fields. Just, I agree. I'm very high, on Justin. And so the the Bears got a good one, and they're, they're probably going to wreck him because that's what the Bears do. It's where quarterbacks go to die. But I mean, if I'm also grateful that he didn't go to the 49ers because you know our lives <laughs> will be miserable scary. for the next 10, 15 years. It's been very scary. But yeah, no, I mean, I think. I think the evaluation is right. Both guys, I, I like Lance a lot. If he if he's gonna you know sit half the year, then it might be best for him. Um, but Fields would have been definitely day one, ready to go. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I think I think both Lance guys all year. Let that I think both learn. guys will be. I think both guys will be um, pretty successful. Fields and Lance, depending on what they do in Chicago. Like if I'm Chicago, I'm calling Brian Dable at the end of the year. Like, hey, you want this job? Name your price. Come over here to Chicago. Like that's exactly what I would do from Chicago. Oh goodness gracious! I, you know what? You're, I would too. I would too. <laughs> All right, Javier. Thanks so much. And, and uh, thanks, again, we'll be talking again soon. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious about the four this year. I don't know about you, but I'm very curious about where this team goes. They have so much talent, and they just got better this offseason. But will their quarterback situation be better with Jimmy Garoppolo hanging out there? Well, I mean, will he be on the team still come August? Or will Trey Lance be ready early to step in? What are the foreigners going to do? How does Nick Bosa come back from injury? How does his offense get itself settled after a rough year injury-wise, both matter of fact, both offensively and defensively, just a lot of injuries. And I think also there's some pressure on Kyle Shanahan out there. The, let's be honest about this. Outside of outside of the Super Bowl run, where has this 49ers team been under Kyle Shanahan? Some folks are probably starting to ask that question. I know I would be. But that said, if we're going to look at raw talent alone, this might be the most talented team in the division. It might just be if all the pieces are working in an order. So we'll see. The Rams are going to say about that. I'm sure the Seahawks will and the Cardinals. This is going to be a tough division this year. And that's going to cost somebody. A team that might be number one seed 
in a different division might be a three or a four seed come January because we're going to be beating each other up all year. I mean, let's hope so. It doesn't turn out like that, but I mean, that's how it looks to me. All right. Okay. The Cardinals. This is a team that I think has a lot of things going for it. They had a fantastic draft, made some very smart free agent signings that are not long term signings. There's a lot of good here. We'll talk to Bo Brack and see what he thinks about it, especially after the recent predictions came out measuring where teams think or experts think these teams will finish in the NFC West. Here's Bo Brack. Let's check it out. All right, folks, I'm here with Bo Brack from the Locked on Cards podcast. Been a longtime guest. Always glad to have him. Talking to Arizona Cards as part of our tour in the league. Bo, how you doing? Doing great, man. Good. Ready to be back for, uh, what, I think, what, a third time? Yes. You're, you become a regular now, I think. That's right. Yeah, and I look <laughs> forward to it each and every year. Yeah, and uh, this time around, though, just disclosure, folks, it's our second go-around because we've had some tech difficulties here. And because of that, though, my questions change a little bit, so I'm going to throw some curveballs at you on this one, okay? But I think it'll all come together the same way. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so the reason why I'm asking this is in our previous conversation, in which nobody is going to hear, what we did was we talked about the Cardinals' improvements. In the end, you kind of arrived at this area where you thought they would probably win about 10 games this year, if I remember correctly. And then, I want to say it was late last week, we saw this whole prediction article come out where like 28 experts predicted where these teams in the NFC West finish. And every single one of them had the Cardinals last. Every single one of them. Had, and they kind of broke towards the Rams and the 49ers and the Seahawks. But basically a three-horse race. Do you agree with that assessment? Uh, you know, it's interesting because there's a lot of group think going on that so many of them, would you say it was 28 people? And yes, the, the majority of them were, you know, it was pretty consen- it was pretty consensus that the Arizona Cardinals were going to be, you know, last in one of the toughest divisions, if not the toughest division in the NFL. And I mean, one thing I'll agree on is nobody really knows, right? I mean, things can can go drastically. We saw it with the San Francisco 49ers at this time last year, everybody was expecting San Francisco to, uh, you know, parlay their Super Bowl appearance into another strong season and they were just ravaged by injury and you know there's kyle shanahan who's now lost uh three of the four seasons he's been in the bay area so it, it's tough to predict but i think the arizona cardinals have done a really good job this offseason and putting as far as on paper and i know that that only goes so far you could you can't you know winning the offseason doesn't win you any games during the regular season but i think the arizona cardinals general manager steve Kime has put his team in a position to uh, improve off an eight and eight season. So I I don't agree. You know I don't know what the the final prediction was on the on the record for the Cardinals. You know I think that they can certainly approach ten wins this season and a playoff berth. And if things go right, they can certainly be. You know I I don't I don't believe them to be a last place team. That's that's the you know long long answer with the, the short part at the end. 
The reason why I wanted to ask you that, though, because I don't agree either. I think the 49ers are one or two injuries away from a repeat of last year. The Rams, we saw them in 2019 come off a Super Bowl appearance. Up, you know, we thought they were loaded. They should, yeah. they should go right back, be in contention the whole way, finish 9-7, miss the playoffs, and Jared Goff took a major step back. The, the Seahawks, in my view, perennially, perennially disappointed yeah. based on expectation. Now, have they been successful? Yes. Should they have been deeper in the playoffs than they have been? I think you and I could probably agree, yeah, they should have been, considering who they've had in that roster. So all three of those teams, to me, are one incident away from their season not being what we thought it would be. And here's the Cardinals, in the same situation, by the way. That tell, that, all that tells me is this division is tough, it's unpredictable, and I cannot for the life of me understand why so many, I think it was, they only had five votes, I think, total. Like, how do you just bury the Cardinals like that when this team, in my view, knocked out the park in the draft, they right. made some smart free agent pickups, and they basically got better. Right. Yeah, it's it's a great question, and I think I, I I'll throw a group think in there once again. I, I just think that a lot of people are are sitting there, and it's from is it's the same organization probably, and and they're talking and looking at the same things, and it, it's it is kind of puzzling to me because it, they're taking from the end of last season where the Arizona Cardinals felt horrendously short in the final two games of the season, had an opportunity against two backup quarterbacks, third stringer with San Francisco. Uh, to punch their ticket to the postseason, they couldn't do it. And, you know, their their main downfall would, should have been their calling card, their offense. And Cliff Kingsbury is an offensive-minded head coach, and there's question marks surrounding him. But this is an 8-8 eight and eight team. They probably had the, the strongest offseason, and it was just, you know, they could win the strongest offseason award just by default, by just looking around the division. Uh, because you had Seattle, who had three draft picks overall. They couldn't add much as far as free agency they added gerald everett i think to the passing attack the tight end from la he moves over within the division to the seahawks but not much beyond that they weren't able to help out their defense san francisco lost you know their defensive coordinator they're rolling with D'Amico ryan's a first-year guy we know nothing about him and as i mentioned shanahan is staring down you know three of his four seasons as head coaches you know not finishing over 500 actually double digit losses pretty crazy to think about uh, Nick Bosa, a couple key players coming back from injury. So even though the Arizona Cardinals aren't a deep team, they're very top heavy. A lot of, you know, a ton of stars, and then not much depth beyond that. So if they do face injuries, it, it could be very worrisome, and a lot of these prognosticators could be correct. But if if it plays out, if if Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt can, you know, for the most part, be there for the 17 game stretch, this team's going to be tough to beat. And if Kyler Murray takes a step in the right direction like he did in, from his first season to his second season, and there's nothing that's telling us he won't, you know, I think the Arizona Cardinals offense is going to be much improved. So it's, it is kind of puzzling to see that so many people only, uh, you know, varied from what the majority of people were saying. Because, as you mentioned, like the Niners fell off after the Super Bowl, so did the Rams. I mean, this is a division, Derek, that has changed its its winner, its title winner in the regular season the last three seasons. So there there is nothing like no if anybody says they know what's gonna happen, they're 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 they don't know what they're talking about. That's the that's the most wrong you can possibly be. <laughs> well I mean you, you look at this division and you have quality players, you have quality coaches, yeah. you also have 
people who have their definitive flaws. And when things go well for you, you can see magic happen. Hence, the 49ers and Rams get into the Super Bowl. Flip it around, and things can fall apart real quick. Hence, the Seahawks fading at the end of last year and losing at home in the playoffs. Hence, the, the Cardinals missing last year. It, it's, I just, I, I, I did, when I read it, it bothered me because, you know, in my view, people like me, people like you who are actually, who, we, you know, the podcasters eat, drink, sleep this stuff, man. Mm-hmm. If you want to know a division, talk to one of the, talk to one of the podcasters, right? Um, sure. So, yeah. We've seen enough here to know you just can't buy buy it. Now, I want to get into these free agents with you. Yeah. They made some changes. I thought they were smart changes. No, There's no real long-term commitments there when it comes to A.J. Green and J.J. Watt. What did you make of all these free agent moves? It, it's, it showed that Steve Kime, the general manager, is in win-now win now mode. And they've got two seasons, three potentially, with the option year for Kyler Murray, who's uh, two seasons into the his rookie contract and that's such an asset i mean as far as team building right now where he can really spend money elsewhere to surround him with the pieces necessary to win but they went with guys that uh are, are a little bit longer in the tooth no doubt about it and uh jj watt you know you can see the risk factor there but he's a guy that played all of last season um you know was he a 20 sack guy no but he was still as disruptive as, as you could possibly be and he made it just an absolute uh nightmare for opposing offenses um, and Malcolm Butler, I think, as far as the defensive secondary is concerned, him adding to that uh, kind of taking over for Patrick Peterson, you, you pretty much get the status quo from a secondary that wasn't too bad. Buda Baker emerged, uh, and then you've got two young pieces at the, in the linebacking core that are very interesting. It's the offense, Derek, though, that where there is some concern where they fell short, especially down the stretch, final two games of the season, under 20 points scored um, combined. And what what did you do for Kyler Murray? I know that you had DeAndre Hopkins there last year, but you bring in AJ Green, and you know is a change of scenery going to be a key for a guy who's 32 years old at our you know his his worst season of his career last year for the Bengals, and James Conner who's played 10 and 13 games respectively. The the knock on him is he can't stay healthy, and it's a it's a very you know, ser- you know I, I I get what they're saying with the when they say that. I mean he he hasn't stayed healthy his entire career, so. Uh, where did the offense improve? That's going to be on the shoulders of Kyler Murray to to take that leap, kind of like Josh Allen did for this team to go where they want to go. Now, the draft itself, overall, like I said, there was a, to me it was a pretty good draft. How did you rate it? How did these players fit into the lineup right away? Or not? No, I think what Steve Kime did, the GM, was he finally got a guy that's going to make an impact right out of the gates. Uh, Isaiah Simmons, who they drafted eighth overall, who I think kind of fell in their lap, and he was just too talented a player to pass up in 2020. Uh, Zayvon Collins was a guy that's like, okay, we're going we're gonna to make a strength on this uh, defense for the future, and it's going to be the linebacking core. And we're going to couple Isaiah Simmons with Zayvon Collins out of Tulsa, who didn't have a lot of fanfare going into the draft. Uh, you know, leading up to it, you know, I talked on my podcast. Uh, you're looking at the cornerback spot. You're looking at maybe a playmaker on the offensive side of the football, and they they take a linebacker. They take a, a guy that's going to play Mike linebacker. Uh, he's long. He's great in coverage. He, he's a tackling machine, and he's a captain. He seems like he's pretty square between the years. 
Um, I think he's an impact maker right away, something that they haven't seen. I mean, Steve Kime only has one pro bowler on his resume that he's drafted in the first round since he's taken over the GM reigns in 2013. So that could potentially change. Um, Rondale Moore out of Purdue is an explosive playmaker, one that uh, they, they, I guess, kind of decided to not try to find in the first round. I think that there's you know, boom bust there with Rondell Moore in the second round that they took out of Purdue. Undersized, obviously, but explosive. And then uh, they finally addressed the cornerback need with a couple players. One in the fourth round, they traded back into the fourth round to get out of Florida in Marco Wilson, who's just a tool shot. I mean, he's absolutely just, you know, 43 and a half inch vertical. He runs a sub 4-4-40, played at Florida. He's notorious or infamous for throwing a shoe in the LSU game that people say he cost them the game. So between the years, uh, probably some work to be done there. But as far as tools, he's got them all. And then a guy, Tig Gowan, out of UCF, they got in the sixth round that uh, people had as a top 100 prospect, but he just didn't, he slipped because he sat out last year for the Knights, didn't play because uh, his daughter was high risk during the pandemic season. So Cardinals might've found a diamond in the rough there. If one of those corners pans out, it's going to be big for him. So I think what they did this season is, is or this off season, as far as the draft that they haven't done recently um, is find guys that make an impact for the season that's coming up and not kind of red shirt guys and uh, see if they pan out down the line. Now, how does this roster interview come together? Is it pretty close to set now, or do you think there's some more hit moves out there? I think there's some more moves, and that's that's kind of what Time's calling card's been. He's he's tapped in and kicked the tires on some veterans that a lot of teams had given up on. Uh, Jonathan Abraham, Dwight Freeney at uh, at one point, and if they can find somebody, I think where their needs are now is tight end. And we see all the, the headlines from Philly. I think Zach Ertz would be somebody they maybe should check in on. Um, Trey Burton, who's played, you know, he was in Philly as well. He was in Chicago. He was in uh, Indy most recently. Um, nose tackle is they need some beef up front on the defensive line to kind of help open up some, uh, some pass rush lane, lanes to J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones. Um, and then the cornerback room continues. There's there's nobody you can say, oh, outside of Malcolm Butler, like, oh, that guy's you can rely on him. He's he's a he's going to be a guy that can can play well in the secondary and uh, not give up big plays. So everybody's kind of like, OK, you've got the youth and guys with tools, but can they play at the next level? Can Robert Alford, a guy that they brought back who hasn't played the last two years, he played in Atlanta a couple big couple big seasons. Uh, he he's going to be your RB two, or your cornerback too, and then Byron Murphy, a guy they selected in the second round a couple seasons ago, he's going to play on the inside as far as the corner cornerback spot. Um, he, he's going to have to make a significant leap next season too, in in a division where the quarterbacks are are pretty scary if you don't have a, a pretty solid secondary. So, what is your ceiling and floor for this team right now? Do you think? I think the floor is is a five. You know, obviously there's no 500 teams unless you tie. I think the I think the floor is is an eight win team, so just under 500. I think that even if they play poorly, there's going to be a lot of frustration going eight and nine, and it could spell the end for Cliff Kingsbury uh, if there's not significant uh, strides in the right direction. And I mean, this is a team that went from three wins to five wins to eight wins. This is where it really gets tough in the rebuild to to continue that trend. Um, I think the ceiling is that they can get to the 12 wins, but there, there is just, there is something with the coaching staff, uh, in Cliff Kingsbury that I, I'm not sold on. I know the fan base certainly isn't sold on, 
where a lot of people have already said he's Cliff is in over his head and he's he's not a head coach. Um, I think that if you're taking a guy and you're plucking a guy and taking a chance on somebody that went 35 and 40 in the Big 12, fired from his alma mater, you better have a plan and you better have some patience. So they must think that he's smart enough to figure out. So the jury's still out, in my opinion, you know, on, on Cliff Kingsbury, but I still don't think like they can have one of those dominant seasons where they go now 13 and four, uh, 14 and three, um, especially in such a tough division like like the NFC West. I think that there's their ceiling, even like the best, if, you know, the the football breaks the right direction for them and they're able to fall on some fumbles and whatever. You know, I they get all the right calls. I still think you know ceiling's probably twelve wins for this team, but they can make some noise. They can win a couple of playoff games. So, I kind of help me out here because I remember among one of our first conversations, I mentioned I had concerns about a guy getting hired who had a losing record as alma mater. Then he yeah. surprised us all in his first year. So, uh, hearing you talk about him now with, with doubt, why the doubts? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, the the 2018 Cardinals were one of the worst rosters constructed in the decade. Like they they might have won three games. They won two of those against an abysmal 49ers team. Uh, they want to rip that out of the you know the franchise encyclopedia. They don't want that year to remain. So Steve Wilkes gets gets fired. They they overcorrect. They go from a defensive minded guy to a, an offensive guy. Sean McVay. He was coming off all that success. Everybody wanted to find the next Sean McVay. So they, they hire Cliff Kingsbury, and they, they have the top pick in each and every round. They take Kyler Murray. It was the right move to move off of Josh Rosen. And just uh, just that those wave of new players, and they had some cap space. They were able to turn things around and go from three wins to five wins. You know, there's, 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 a, little, there's a little improvement there, but the roster, it's, it's going from you know, the bottom of the league, and it's trending upwards. And then the next season, which was last season, you know, they come out of the gates and at one point they're five and two, six and three. They've got one of the top total yardage offenses in the league. And then the league adjusted to them. And we saw down the stretch that Cliff Kingsbury was overmatched in a lot in, in, in a bunch of games down the stretch. One, of course, being New England. Shocker to nobody that Bill Belichick, he's probably going to outcoach the other 31 coaches in the league. That's just how it goes. So well, we know. Team. Yeah, no we- <laughs> I mean, and, and this is Cliff Kingsbury, not Sean McVay, as, as you bring up, you know, a sore spot with the Super Bowl. But uh, Cliff Kingsbury was was outmatched in down the stretch by McVay. He hasn't beaten McVay. McVay's never lost to the Cardinals in his career. And Kyle Shanahan, who had a third string quarterback, and those coaches were able to overcome that. And, and Cliff Kingsbury wasn't. I just think I understand people being skeptical about Cliff Kingsbury ability to become an NFL coach. Like the odds were stacked against him. We've seen what it is. We've seen where he's his his, his shortcomings are. And it would be an unbelievable uh comeback if Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury can overcome those and proves to be, you know, this this offensive play caller. But here here's the reality though, Derek. I mean, the the team has improved, steadily improved. And then the offense has steadily improved. They went from what 14 points per game, which is horrible. 2018 so you know right under 23 last year they were just under 26 so they continue to trend upwards but you're not wowed by them there's a couple blowouts that help aid those um it's but if you watch the cardinals every game you will see where 
you know, it struggles and it struggles with leadership. It struggles kind of finding an offensive rhythm. And, you know, I think that the Arizona Cardinals last season, especially after the DeAndre Hopkins acquisition, should have their calling cards should have been the offense with Murray, with Cliff, with DeAndre Hopkins, and it wasn't. It was actually their downfall. And, you know, that just that's just that can't happen. Um now, does that mean if the Cardinals don't make the playoffs and they hover around five hundred again that he's out? No, I don't think so. I don't think they're gonna be that quick on the trigger, but I do think that if it goes way awry, if if they lose, you know, if they finish two to three games under five hundred, he could be sent packing and it's probably the right move. But, you know, if if they if they get if they play deep in the January at this point with the new schedule, if they play, you know, wild card game, I don't think there's any doubt Cliff Kingsbury's coming back no matter what goes wrong in that game or doesn't go wrong. Gotcha. And and I'm very interested in how this pans out in the end. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. So, Bo, can you let people know where they can find you and find your work and keep track of the Cardinals while you're in the NFC West probably? We got to keep track somehow. Yeah, no doubt about it. We, uh, I'm talking on a daily basis about the Arizona Cardinals on Locked On Cardinals. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, my co-host and I, Alex, we are, uh, we're not, you know, we're, we're unbiased. You know, we're not beholden to anybody. So we're talking ins and outs about the Cardinals and, and you know, talking a lot like what the fans are talking about. And we're not just kind of riding the company line, saying what would make the team or the players happy. Um, but at the same time, we, we celebrate this team when it's playing well. Um, and so you can find me at B-O-B-R-A-C-K on Twitter. You can listen to us on the Odyssey app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Locked On Cardinals. And on Mondays, I'm hosting the Locked On NFL podcast. So we're talking all the all the news from around the league. So And that's been fun. That's This is my going on my second season doing that. And it's been a blast just to kind of get to, to just mix it up with all the teams and, and kind of keep tabs on which direction everybody's going. Well, both. thanks so much for taking the time to talk to the cars with us, and I'm hoping we'll talk again this season. Perfect, man. Just uh, let me know. Let's do it. Thanks. All right, so there's a look at the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals have just as good a chance at winning this division as anybody else does. I really do. I think there's some coaching concerns there that could easily be, be solved. I mean... If Kyler Murray goes to the next step and he has some help there now, I think this team can win the division. I really do. It could be a total collapse as well. All four of these teams have a good amount of talent, and all four of them are susceptible to some kind of flaw. They really are. And each situation is a little bit different. If I'm going to put money on right now, Based on consistency over the course of the last decade, you have to go with the Seahawks. You do. They are just consistently 10, 11, 12 wins. Okay. These other teams bounce back and forth, including the Rams. Nine wins two years ago, 10 this past year. They went to the Super Bowl before 19 in 2018. I mean, there's there's a lot to say for getting Matt Stafford. But it's also a team that's thinner now in some areas because they couldn't afford to pay guys like John Johnson. The 49ers have injury questions. And the Cardinals themselves have some questions with Kyler Murray. Is he ready to take the next level? And will these older veterans they picked up, will they be able to carry their weight? Will they be able to put together one last great season? So to me, the NFC West is the most 
interesting division for next year, and it's going to be the most competitive. Or it could be a train wreck. There's lots of things that can give and take in a division this complicated. All right, folks. So there is today's Wednesday show. If you like what you're listening to, if you like the content we're putting out, please let us know. Send us an email at ramstalk1945gmail.com. If you have any suggestions, we'd love to hear them too. Okay. Again, we'd love to have some, some reviews over on Apple Music. Don't forget to subscribe, though, anywhere you listen to our show. We'll talk to you next time and have a great one. Right here. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.